When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fin side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Check out our merch store on the finside.threadless.com. Three games down, 13 left to go. The Dolphins fall 31 to 6 at AT&T Stadium in Arlington to the Dallas Cowboys. The game was a lot closer than it appeared. For what, for what it's worth, even though the Cowboys did cover the vaunted 22-point point spread in this game. But a couple of interesting notes on this is it, it was really a, a tale of two halves. I mean, it's not that the Dolphins were blowing out the Cowboys in the first half or anything close to that. I mean, the Cowboys never never lost the lead in this game. But, Paul, when you look at it, there was 30 seconds left in the first half and Kenyon Drake puts the ball on the ground at the five yard line. And if the dolphins end up with a touchdown on that drive, we could have been looking at a 13 to 10 halftime lead for the dolphins. Yeah. And I was a little surprised too, on top of that. Uh, I don't know which way it would have fallen as far as this goes, but that they didn't challenge on the Preston Williams catch, no catch. Um, you know, it, it seemed pretty divisive as to whether or not he had possession long enough to make a football move. But given the state of things at the moment, uh, it really would have been nice to see them at least give it a shot, you know, and and see if they can get the call reversed on that and, and get that touchdown in. I mean, Preston Williams needs to get over the butterfingers. Uh, Jakeem Grant needs to get over the butterfingers. And apparently now Kenyon Drake needs to get over the butterfingers. So the butterfingers are really hurting us right now as far as the win-loss column if you take the trying to tank for two out of the equation. Yeah, Josh Rosen had at least four or five drop passes, three of which were by Preston Williams. And the in the first half, the, the near touchdown grab that you're alluding to, yeah, that that's one that very easily could have been called a touchdown, and I was a little bit surprised to not see Brian Flores try to try to challenge that for a team that's 0-2. And this is now, if you want to call that, you know, we can call it a drop, we can call it whatever we want on that, but the reality is that's three times in three weeks now Preston Williams, as talented as he is, 
could have come away with a touchdown and, and could have reversed the fortune of, of a game like this. Unfortunately, he didn't do that. The talent is still there. It looks like they've got good chemistry, but it, it, he needs to start coming away with these footballs. So another thing, Paul, is throughout the game, it's the first time in 21 years that the Dallas Cowboys have had two 100-yard rushers in a game. Not, not a huge surprise given the depleted Dolphins uh, front seven as far as, as run defense. Ezekiel Elliott over 100 yards, rookie backup Tony Pollard over 100 yards. There were a lot of very good performances, but this defense can only hold for so long along the defensive front, especially against an offensive line that has three future Hall of Famers uh, in Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, and Tyron Smith. And on top of that as well, once Dallas got that big lead, they, you know, they're trying to grind clock. You're going to see a lot more run plays and, you know, you've got one of the best in the league, if not the best in Ezekiel Elliott, uh, say what you will about the guy personally, but as far as on the football field goes, he is one of the best, if not the best. So, I mean, it's, you know, you've got one of the best out there and you've got a team trying to grind clock and get the hell out of the game. So yeah, they're going to get a lot more carries as well. Yeah, they were starting to really run downhill as the game wore on. I, I thought they were getting to the linebackers a lot more effectively. Those runs that were two or three yards in the first half started becoming five, 10, 15 yard runs in the second and in, in the third quarter and through the fourth quarter too. So not a huge surprise on that. And that, that tends to happen when you've got a lead and you've, you've got an offensive line and you've got a running back like Ezekiel Elliott. So taking a look around the league here, I mean, this is something that continues to bear watching. After the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, the Steelers fall to 0-3 on the season, and they, they lose a tough one to San Francisco. And I've got news for our listeners. On Monday Night Football this upcoming week, you better root like hell for the Cincinnati Bengals to beat the Steelers for two reasons. Number one, we may need the Bengals to win a game here to kind of get them out of the way so that they're not in huge contention for that number one overall pick. If the dolphins continue, you know, down the path, we think that they are. And number two, because the dolphins own the Steelers pick, if they are Owen four, they're, if you take a look at their following two games, I'm not quite sure who they play. I had it in front of me. I'm losing it here, but um, the Pittsburgh Steelers could end up Owen six if they drop this Monday night football game to the Cincinnati Bengals. And from that point, man, it could get very interesting as far as that, that Steelers pick for for Micah Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And it's, it's, if you want to look at it even deeper, I mean, I, I did see posts on Twitter today and need to fact check it. And obviously we're week three in the season, but I did see it posted that if the season were to end right this minute, right now, Miami would be picking third and fourth in the draft. And I like the accumulation of, of first round picks. I like what it enables them to do rebuilding this team. If they have eyes locked on Tua, which let's face it, the Dolphins have not come out and said Tua is their guy. They haven't. And they're not going to. Uh, you won't know that until somebody walks up to the podium. But unless they have Tua head and shoulders above a Justin Herbert or one of the many other quarterbacks in that draft, I'd almost rather, if they've got him on an even playing field, 
I'd almost rather they wait and, and, you know, would use the third and fourth pick here to add a court, the quarterback that they would like that's available to them. And then to possibly add, you know, maybe a chase young, maybe, um, you know, one of the wide receivers like uh, Judy there. I mean, it, it's, there's a lot of possibilities there and I hate the idea of giving up those two picks to move up two spots. I hate it. Absolutely hate it because I like what you can build with the picks that the Dolphins have right now. So it's definitely going to be bear a lot of watching because there are a lot of teams playing like hot garbage right now. The Bengals, the Steelers, the Jets, really the Cardinals. Um, you know, you look around the league and there's a number of teams that are just absolute steaming yeah. tiles at the moment. There's not parity. Right. I, I would say that if the Dolphins in any situation end up at the third overall pick instead of the first, and Tua, Tua's stock is still as the overall best player in the draft at that time, I don't think it matters what the Dolphins offer. I mean, keep in mind, when Andrew Luck was the consensus clear-cut number one pick back in 2012, the Colts were turning down trade offers for three, four first-round picks for that swap. I think the same thing would happen there. And in that situation, say the Dolphins do end up with the third and the fourth or the fifth pick, or just two picks in the top ten, in that situation, you stick with Josh Rosen for another year, and you get an edge rusher and a left tackle, and, and you kick it down the line a little bit as far as getting your franchise quarterback. You you just flat out can't give up three or four first round picks to try to move up to that spot it's we've got a lot of time to talk about the draft but yeah it's it starts bearing watching at this point and taking a look at some other teams that have relevance for the Dolphins draft picks the Texans do come out and, and beat the, the uh, LA Chargers it was a game where the where the Texans were down 17 to 7 at one point looked like the Chargers were, were going to pull it out but then Deshaun Watson performs his magic you know this is a team I think is going to win 10 or 11 games, if not more. I think they're going to, if not win that division, the AFC South, I think they're going to be a wild card team. And that's the pick that the Dolphins are going to have for Laramie Tunzel this upcoming draft. The New Orleans Saints pulled out a big surprise, taking down the Seattle Seahawks. A very big disappointment because I was expecting the Saints to go on a little bit of a skid here. The Dolphins own their second round pick. It's not as important as the Steelers or the Texans won, but still still very important so you know we're we're already talking about draft stuff here and, and we've got a lot of Dolphins football still to talk about the rest of the year but it's good that we did see a better performance especially in the first half it really is I mean and you know the NFL is talking as, as we talked last week about or the competition committee is talking about investigating what the Dolphins are doing and et cetera et cetera et cetera um, you know, we talked the other day about Dominique Foxworthy and his BS comments about Miami being uh, morally reprehensible. And you look at this team, you know, I'm sorry, teams that are trying to lose don't come out after a field goal and try for an onside kick. They don't do that. Like, they don't try to surprise you with an onside kick and get the ball back. They don't try to march it down the field. They don't try to hit the deep ball, you know. It, it's it, if Miami was coming out and taking a knee, sure, take them as morally reprehensible. But this was a team that fought hard in that first half, and despite a we're going to go with poor day 
from Xavier and Howard, which they don't happen often, but we got one today. It really, really was a good performance in the first half across the board for the most part. Yeah, it was. And I, I don't expect the NFL to do shit when it comes to the Dolphins investigating. I, I, I tweeted out before that, you know, I, I, I we've talked about tanking because that's the way that, that the roster has been aligned, whether they intended to or not. I mean, it was clear they were getting rid of they were getting rid of contracts this year. If they were stockpiling picks, they could not turn down a trade offer for Tunzel and then make a Fitzpatrick quit on the team. Those are the things that happened, and and that's what the NFL is going to find out if they investigate anything, which which I don't think that they will. So let's hope to make the most out of these draft picks and these uh, and the the capper and the Dolphins have moving forward. Paul, let's get into the position-by-position position grades, starting with quarterback. You know, I was very, very impressed not only with Rosen's mechanics, getting the ball up and out, but also with his, with his seeing the pressure, which was very often, and put a, just putting the ball either in the hands of his receivers or in a place where only his receiver could get it. Um, you know, I, I, I go back to... At the end of the first half, if Preston Williams comes down with that touchdown and he catches a third down pass earlier in the quarter, we could be talking about Josh Rosen having a heck of a first half on a team that's winning. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick also comes in for two passes, and man, does this guy have balls. When he comes in, he throws a jump ball for Preston Williams that he, he does come down with for 25 yards. Dolphins get a field goal out of the drive. I liked what I saw with, out of Rosen, but when you look at the stat sheet here, no touchdowns, 200 yards, less than 50% completion. I, I still can't give him any higher than a C plus. I can. Uh, I'm going to go with a B- minus for now. I was flirting with the idea of a B. You look at not only, as you alluded, what he did on the field, um, it's you look at how different the offense felt in a positive way with him at the helm. You look at the fact that he was over on the sidelines, not just, you know, chattering away with Fitzpatrick or, you know, Chad O'Shea or the quarterback's coach, but like he's over on the sidelines, you know, literally going through things with his receiving course sitting on the bench right in front of him as he's going through things and all eyes are on him. I mean, you look at the the gutsy effort he had on a few plays, both in avoiding sacks and, and in picking up yards on a scramble. Uh, you look at where he put the ball, the fact that he was able to throw some balls up that were contested and drew pass interference, which accounted for some of the, the completions that weren't, but moved the ball down the field. I mean, this was a guy that stepped in and and took leadership of the team. They didn't get the win. We all know that. But you look at the way he helmed that offense and the way that the offensive line kind of pulled together for him at times against a pretty damn good defensive front. And, you know, I'm almost talking myself into a B here, so I'm going to keep with my B- minus and shut up. No, I, I can live with a B minus, and I think you bring up a lot of really great points there. And I, I'm glad you said what you said about drawing pass interferences because I believe three pass interferences were drawn in this game, 
and one of which is was Durham Smythe draws a pass interference from Pro Bowl linebacker Jalen Smith. Incredible to see. And Devontae Parker draws a pass interference penalty, too, from a Chidobia Wuzier. The point is, that's what happens when you put the ball up in these one-on-one situations. Ryan Tannehill did not do that in years past. He threw the ball when the receiver was open, which may sound good in theory, but the reality is you're, look, you're missing out on a lot of chances when you're not giving your receiver the chance to go up and get the ball. Running back, Paul, I'm going to throw it back to you. This wasn't so good today. I, I was not super impressed. I mean, Kalen Balazs had one or two good runs. Uh, Kenyon Drake had a couple of good runs. But the absolute nail in the coffin emotionally in this game was Kenyon Drake coughing the ball up. I mean, you want to lobby for more carries for Drake. I want to lobby for more carries for Drake. Drake wants to lobby for more carries for Drake. But you cannot cough the ball up where he did on that series and and just so egregiously. It's – I'm going to go with a D-plus for the running backs. They didn't get much per carry, and there were yards left on the field. That's exactly what I had, too, and and you – took the words right out of my mouth to piggyback on that at least with Kenyon Drake I started to see a little bit more of the mismatch possibilities with him out on the field because Rosen did a heck of a job when the blitz was right in his face of just dumping the ball off to Drake and Drake puts a foot in the ground and bursts forward for 10 or 15 yards I think one time he had 22 yards on one of those receptions and Drake ran hard in between the tackles too. And that what, that's what makes it so disappointing that the dolphins are down 10 to six with 30 seconds left in the first half, first and goal after Durham Smythe draws a pass interference penalty and he puts the ball on the ground. I'm right there with you. I, that it was at that point that I started saying, okay, we're not going to win this game. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. But I, I hope Drake comes out and he comes out motivated for the next game. He, he wasn't a guy that was pouting out there, and I think he does have some mismatches, but you got to hang on to the football. Wide receiver and tight end, I mean, it seems like every week we're talking about this position more and more as not being a strength of, the, of a team, but a weakness. Um, so when I look at the wide receiver position, yeah, Preston Williams finishes the game with four catches for 68 yards. The talent is certainly there. He and Josh Rosen have a good chemistry. He feels comfortable putting the ball up for him. And if he just if he just doesn't drop two passes a game, I think this guy could be a star. But he is dropping several passes a game. And that, that one uh, in the end zone that, that resulted in a field goal, man, oh, man, he comes down with that. We're talking about Preston Williams all week. Um, Devontae Parker – has a magnificent one-handed catch in the first drive of the game for 40 yards, but then only one catch for 11 yards the rest of the game. But he also did draw a 30-yard pass interference penalty, too. Jakeem Grant continues to struggle out there. I'm, I'm hoping for him to break one soon, but he dropped one on a short screen that could have he could have busted for long yardage. And we're, we're also hoping Alan Hearns is okay after just getting mauled across the middle by safety Jeff Heath. And at the tight end spot, Mike Kosicki, three catches for nine yards. I mean, I, at this point, I'd rather rather just keep Durham Smythe or Nick O'Leary out there. I mean, not only are they, they contributing more in the passing game, but they're also much better blockers. But this is a unit that is just not performing well right now. We see the potential. Hopefully they get 
very good chemistry as we continue to go along this season. But right now it's not good enough. I've got to give him a D. So Devontae Parker really drew two pass interference penalties today, both against Chidobe Awuzie. Uh, the first one because he made that one-handed grab and did a beautiful job of it. Miami declined the, the pass interference penalty and went with the catch. Uh, really, I, I wish the 12 targets to Preston Williams, a few more had been distributed Devontae Parker's way, which seems insane to say if you asked me three weeks ago. But Devontae Parker looked like a motivated player, ready to play. He was causing issues for Chidobe Awuzie. And it would have been nice to see a few more balls kind of put up for grabs to, to Parker. For one, he was high point in the ball. And for two, he was getting the good position on a woozie that forced the pass interference penalties to try to save the play, believe it or not. So I would have liked to have seen more of those, especially given the fact that, you know, Preston Williams was targeted 12 times in this game and had four catches. So, yeah, he led the team in receiving but that's eight missed opportunities targeting Preston Williams. There's a problem there. And while he does have talent and potential, hopefully the coaching staff can work out those kinks because at this point I'd rather see Devontae Parker out there. We need to see Albert Wilson get back out there. I think Shaquem Grant's at his best when the two little mighty mouses are out there on the field running around together causing havoc. And I thought Jakeem looked a little better in the receiving game today. I'm not going to talk about his muff punt here I think I'll save that for our special teams area of things. But, yeah, Nick O'Leary, Durham Smythe, they continue to find sneaky little ways to help this offense move the ball. And if Mike Kosicki is not going to do the same, given the fact that he's supposed to be the one that's that's making receptions out of the three of them here, you're right. I'd love to see the two of them on more and, and see Kosicki start. Maybe he'll get a little motivated riding pine. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to go with a C here for these guys. I'm just in awe that last week you have Devontae Parker as the player of the game for you. and Or maybe that was week one. I, I, I Yeah, that, that that was week one, excuse me. I know. And now here two weeks later, you, you're talking about how he needs to get the ball more. I mean, I'm qu- quite a turnaround at this point on Devontae Parker for you. Hey, you know, it, it's – I'm not used to him, you know, I mean, I think my player of the game week one with him was with a huge asterisk saying like, okay, don't start him in fantasy ever again this year because this was his one game. But you know what? You watch the effort right now and it's there. I don't know if it's the fact that he doesn't have the googly-eyed quarterback whisperer on the sidelines. Now he's got some real coaches, but he seems to be responding to whatever's in the water this year down in Florida. And that could be exciting for this team because right now the way it stands, you know, doing, doing my fan speak mocks, I I, I typically have Miami taking like a T Higgins or, you know, or something like that um, in the, in round one. And if Miami's able to get away from that, um, you know, or get Devontae Parker rolling here, it may not be as much of a need once Albert Wilson's healthy. Yeah, they need to get Albert Wilson back in the lineup. It, yeah, and I, I'm interested to see how he plays with Rosen because what Albert Wilson is good at is getting yards after the catch. And if Rosen can get the ball out of his hands quickly, Wilson can do some damage after the catch underneath. 
Um, yeah, yeah, I, I am, I'm not in favor of the Dolphins signing or drafting a wide receiver high next year. I would rather on a team like this continue to go with potential and with youth because it, you need to rebuild. To me, the the offensive line. You need you need to re- get those pass rushers. You need to get a, a quarterback if Rosen is not the guy at the end of the year. Wide receivers. I think we can save for another day, but we'll see. We'll we'll see who's available on the board at that time. Um, offensive line. The big news here is early in the second quarter, Jesse Davis goes down. Michael Dieter goes out to left tackle to to block former Dolphin Robert Quinn. And it's just not fair for for the guy. I mean, if if he has 6'2", or 6'3", 300-pound guard, who's a rookie who's already a little bit in over his head at the left guard spot, you kick him out to left tackle and face Robert Quinn. He was destroyed all day, and it's not his fault. I mean, he's not a left tackle. It's it's unfair to ask him to do that. Um, yeah, I, I really don't have a whole lot of good things to say about this unit from a talent perspective. Who, who could? When, when, you know, when he can get him going downhill a little bit, it's, it's not terrible if you do that and you work off play action, which Rosen was doing pretty well in the first half. But then in the second half, this, this offensive line was absolutely destroyed. You know, we, we need to get Jesse Davis back in the lineup. We'll check his status for next week. It, what, one positive, though, is Jamarcus Webb, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I think he's played a pretty good pretty good job. Or he's done a pretty good job at that right tackle spot so far. I'm going to review the tape in more detail tomorrow, so I may stand corrected on that. But, you know, I, I can't give him a higher grade just because the talent isn't there. i got to go with a D for them, too. You and I are going to differ here a little bit. Um, I didn't hate the line today. It's, I mean, do I think they could use more talent along the line? Obviously. Do Do I hate the idea of Dieter out at left tackle? Obviously. Were they able to get any type of run game established before they went down big? Mm, Not very well. But you look at the fact that Rosen only got sacked three times in this game against a really talented Dallas front that includes Demarcus Lawrence, that includes Robert Quinn, and really the fact that that Rosen only was sacked three times in this game is huge. Um, given the fact that they're starting, you know, Dieter, or not starting, but you know what I mean, running Dieter out there with the starters at at left tackle, you know, having to shuffle the line around. I thought they played and gelled a little bit better today. Do I think there was an all pro evident among them? No. Jamarcus Webb as a plug and play off the street, as you pointed out, did a good job out there. And so for me, I mean, unless I see something egregious by reviewing the game again here, I can go with a C plus for these guys because I think they overachieved a little bit and gelled as a unit on the whole today. Were they perfect? No. Were there moments of, uh, yeah, but that's reflected in the fact that they're really getting a CC plus grade. Yeah. I mean, they, they only let up three sacks. I can't believe it was only that amount, but I also credit the coaching staff for, for chipping those edge rushers a lot. I think you're going to see that when you review the tape tomorrow. Uh, and, oh, and also, too, I thought Josh Rosen did a phenomenal job of avoiding pressure today. But there were so many times that and it was so frustrating to see 
that that especially in the second half that the minute Josh Rosen got got that snap, he was running for his life. So yeah, he he didn't get a sack, but it also ruined the play. So I that's yeah. why I can't I can't say much many good things about him. And at running back, I mean, Balaj and Drake improved as far as as the yards yardage they've got, but still. 20 carries for 55 yards out of both of them. And I thought Drake put forth a lot of effort to get a lot of those yards on the ground. So I'm going to stick with my grade. We'll see. I mean, this is always one I kind of re I kind of end up rewriting too along the offensive line after the show. So, so we'll see if that happens again. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball now. And, you know, it's, it was an interesting day because, Xavier Howard certainly, to me, the, the worst game I've seen out of him in two years. You know, and it's you know he he allowed two touchdowns to Amari Cooper. He was in man coverage. There wasn't much of a pass rush, but I know what Xavier Howard's about, and we'll get to that grade in a minute with the defensive backs. But along the defensive line, it's we could just dub in the same thing pretty much every week. Davin Gotcha does his job. Christian Wilkins does his job. They're both stout at the point of attack. Other than that, you don't see any pass rush whatsoever. Uh, Charles Harris out there has been completely useless all year. We were giving him a chance, but I'm just not seeing it out of the guy. Um, Taco Charlton is active in this game against his former team, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dolphins claimed him just a few days ago. Charlton did come away with a sack, the Dolphins' only sack of the game, and he almost came away with a second one, too. So hopefully there's a little bit something to work with there. Uh, Davin Gottschall had a actually a fantastic game, we were talking about this before, against Travis Frederick. This is a player that the Dolphins really need to re-sign here in the next year before he hits free agency in 2021. So, I, you know, as far as run defense, I can't give him a great grade because – Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard both ran for over 100 yards. And I can't give them a great grade either on the because they didn't get much of a pass rush. But I did like what Wilkins and what uh, Davin Gottschall did in this game. And, and I liked I, – I thought they did a pretty good job against the run for the first half before getting gashed in the second half. So, overall, I'm going to give them a C-. minus. So, I'm right there with you on the C-, minus, but – I'm looking at it in a little bit of a positive light. And, you know, we've talked about this and touched on this a little bit in the past. There's going to be a couple of plays where a couple of players from the linebacking unit, I'm I'm, I'm going to count with the defensive line here because you look at Rake McMillan, they were using him as a situational pass rusher at times. Vince Beagle, they're using him as a situational pass rusher at times, lining up, up, up on the line of scrimmage as an edge rusher. Um, Rake McMillan, if you go back and look early in the game, should have had a sack. Uh, he flat out beat the left tackle for Dallas. And, and the guy literally reached out and was kind of dragging him by the jersey from behind. And unfortunately, he almost got there, but didn't quite at that point. So really, I mean, that that could have been somewhat of a game-changing play, whether it was a flag or a sack on that one. I mean, Rake McMillan's got a couple of those over the past couple of weeks. He's getting he's getting close. He's getting within a step. And that's something I want to watch for developmentally for him because I know that's a new role for him. Uh, Vince Beagle, I do like seeing coming off the edge uh, as, as really more of that defensive end type edge rusher role. Like you pointed out, 
Taco Charlton got his first sack as a Dolphin. Christian Wilkins, Davin Gotchow played very well in the middle of this game. I was kind of disappointed because we didn't see the whole John Jenkins factor in this game. But, again, it, it's the guys that were out there, I thought, did a decent job, even though the run defense was horrific in the second half. And, and so, yeah, I'm going to sit there with you with the C-. minus, But, yeah. again, there was a lot of promise that I saw here. Yeah, there was some promise, and I think that I think Rake, Rake McMillan's a good player. My only complaint against him is that he's he's he is what he is against the pass, and that's why he's not out there dropping back in coverage. And kudos to this coaching staff for recognizing it this early. He's really assuming kind of that Dante Hightower role with New England. I mean, even Hightower, Dante Hightower is known as a, as a middle linebacker and a big guy. But he's blitzing off the edge a lot, just like Hype, just like uh, Rake is in this role. So I, I like that. I, I also thought, you know, while we're talking about the front seven, I thought Sam Aguavion is all over the field. I mean, he he gets blown out a lot, but he does also stick his head in there and make a lot of plays too. He, he had a, he had a couple of very big thumping plays. He gets from point A to point B very quickly. I'm really disappointed with Jerome Baker right now. If you rewatch some of those longer runs, you're going to see him getting completely wiped out of the play. And that's somewhat expected for Baker because he's a little bit undersized, but he should be making it up in the playmaking department and in the range department in the pass defense. And I'm not seeing that either. So that's a little bit of a disappointment. So overall for the front seven, I'm going to give them a C minus. And Paul, I think I, if I understand correctly, you're giving them the same. Correct. And and I'm glad you said it about Baker. I was having the same thought. I mean, and I think some of that's expectation set based on the preseason we saw from Jerome Baker, where he was easily one of the two best defenders on the field for Miami in the preseason. Easily. And he's been nothing thus far through three games. Yeah, he really has. I mean, not much to show there. I mean, Hopefully the you know when the Dolphins get a little bit more of a pass rush whenever that is Baker we can simplify his role a little bit but right now it's not good enough. Uh, looking at defensive back Paul, I mean hey Dak Prescott came into this game with a quarterback rating of over 140, 51 for 62, and Prescott definitely had a good game. I mean he was 19 for 32, 246 yards, two touchdowns and an interception, but you know, I, I felt for a, a team that didn't have much of a pass rush, the secondary overall held held up pretty well. How, how did you grade them out? Yeah, I can actually give give the secondary a B plus here and feel comfortable. I mean, and weirdly enough, it's Xavier Howard bringing that down. I mean, Amari Cooper ran some definitely good routes. I mean, that that one route he ran early with the double move was absolutely dirty on Xavier Howard. But he got his lunch eaten a little bit here, and you know I didn't fully understand the ejection. Um, it seemed a little sissified to me that if either of them had gotten ejected for that little exchange. But again, they almost did the Dolphins a favor ejecting him here. And I will give Eric Rowe credit; he stepped up a little more in this game, which was nice to see because we need him to um, opposite Howard. Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm right there with you on Xavier Howard. I mean, 
Yeah, he went one on one with Amari Cooper, and Cooper ate his lunch for the in the first quarter, and then Howard settled down a little bit more. But overall, still, I mean, allowed two touchdowns and had two penalties. I mean, that that's not a good day at the office. But again, look, at cornerback with a player like this who's done what he's done, I, I I've seen everything I've need to see see out of Xavier Howard, and you bet he's going to go back to the drawing board as he prepares for Keenan Allen this weekend against the Chargers. So, yeah, Eric Rowe, I mean, he was targeted, as far as I saw, I think he was targeted twice, and I don't think he had a pass caught off of him. So kudos to him on that bounce back. When he when he looks good, he looks like a big physical cornerback out there in the boundary, and it looks nice. But it, we didn't see that in the first two games, so hopefully that continues. Uh, Steven Parker started at strong safety for Rashad Jones in this game. Almost had an interception in, at the beginning of the first quarter. He was pounding the ground. He, he really wanted that pick. But I see a lot of range out of this guy. He's one that bears watching moving forward. Bobby McCain had a very good interception when Dak Prescott threw it down the field. That's not a surprise. Overall, I'm still, I still don't like McCain in that free safety spot. I mean, Randall Cobb on that 74-yard touchdown that was called back where he smoked Jamal Wiltz in the slot. And it was called back because Davin Gotcha was was held by by Connor Williams. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I I would rather see Bobby McCain in the slot moving forward because when he's the last line of defense, either his tackling's not good enough or his speed is not good enough. But overall, as far as the defensive backs are concerned, I hope that that Brian Flores continues to add to this unit as the years go on. And hopefully we get some players that do step up along the way too. But overall, that's a long way for me to say that I'm going to give them a B minus. And and one one other player I want to mention too that I thought had a pretty good game when he got out on the field today was Batamosi, the guy that they got acquired from the Houston Texans that uh, Flores was familiar with from his Patriots days. It's I thought Batamosi definitely looked the part when he was out there. It was definitely better than Wilts, who did get smoked on that one play. Um, and McCain almost turned in two interceptions with when he almost intercepted the Hail Mary at the end of the half. So, you know, it, I don't hate McCain at free safety. I do like him better at nickel. But, again, I want to see if he can grow into the role because, at worst, you can slot him back to nickel next year depending on what you end up with out of the draft, which is very thick with corners and safeties. Yeah, McCain, actually, he, he almost had another interception. It was a different play. Uh, when I, th I think he saw the ball a little bit too late and just stuck a, a, his hand up there, that near interception at the end of the first half was by Chris Lammons, who did get a lot more playing time in this game. Um, he, he did miss a big tackle that I think that went for 20, 30 yards by Devin Smith, but I, I still look forward to seeing this guy play a little bit. When you have him and you have Ken Webster and you have a veteran like Badamosi out there, we'll see what happens because as we go forward, the Dolphins are going to need – eight, nine, ten defensive backs in the upcoming years. So we've got to keep an eye on these backups, even though they're not the ones making the big bucks. Special teams, I mean, yeah. I've got to say they're they're just as much responsible in the first quarter as, as anybody else got. I mean, th this, is a, this is a team that just flat out is not talented enough to be making errors. I mean, we saw that with Preston Williams on, on two drop passes. We saw that with Kenyon Drake on the fumble. We also saw that with Jason Sanders missing a 47-yard field goal. But 
again, kind of like with Xavier and Howard, I know what Jason Sanders is about. He was 18 for 20 last year. Very good kicker as it projects. Matt Hawk needs to go. I am sick and tired of watching this guy punt the football. There is no reason why in Dallas, where with no weather conditions, without the ball about to be blocked, that once every two or three games, this guy shanks a 25 or 30-yard punt. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. And then Jakeem Grant fumbles another another ball, and the, luckily it goes out of bounds. So the coverage units were good, and that's the only reason that I'm, I'm going to give them a D plus. I'm going to give them a solid D. Um, the muffed punt by Jakeem Grant, the 30-yard, you know, <laughs> he might Matt Hawk might as well just throw the ball straight up in the air uh, on that punt and said, ah, screw it, and walked off the field. I mean, that was ridiculous. And the missed field goal by Jason Sanders absolutely was, was a crusher. But as you pointed out, I, I still like Sanders in the role. I'm starting to lean away from Jakeem Grant as a punt returner, uh, keep him on kickoffs, but take him away as a punt returner because that muffed punt is just getting to the point of being inexcusable. As lethal as he can can be at times with a ball in his hand, you can't be muffing punts and, and expect to win. Uh, hopefully, whatever's going on with him through three games, he can shake off here. Because I, you know I love the player. You know I've loved him since they drafted him. He should be able to do some sneaky good things, and he just isn't right now. And, yeah, Matt Hawk, as good as some of his punts are, he balances those out with some really terrible ones like today. And that was just absolutely a killer uh, in the first half between all three of those plays. It really was. I mean, because the Dolphins punted the ball from their own, I think it was from their own 25, which, you know, it's not great field position for a punter, but but then he punts the ball and, and they've got the, Dallas ends up with it almost near, I mean, near midfield. And then they, I believe on that same drive there, they they go up, they go up ten to nothing. I mean, I, I also blame too. <clears throat> I'm not sure who's responsible for it on that one. I can't remember. But uh, but Jason Witten on third and twenty, it, it catches a 33 yard pass. That was a that was a pretty bad thing too. But overall in the first half, again the Dolphins should have been winning, but too many errors. But at least we're talking about errors at this point instead of just getting completely wiped off the field like the first two weeks I would have really liked to see the Dolphins put a touchdown on the board at the end to make it you know a 31 to 14 or a 31 13 game to make a little closer overall Dolphins got smoked again but at least we saw a little bit more progress in this game and I think with Josh Rosen slinging the ball the way that he did today that could instill some confidence in this team as we get into the weaker part of, his, of our schedule here. Yeah, and I mean, you hit the nail on the head with the weaker part of the schedule. If you look at the three teams that Miami's gotten beat by in these, the first three weeks, they're three of the strongest teams in the NFL right now. Uh, the Ravens are a damn good team. The Patriots are obviously the Patriots. And, you know, Dallas is pretty much a shoo-in to win the NFC East, barring something catastrophic. So, you know, you look at the fact that they're getting beat up by those teams, and they really hung in today. Um, they hung in with the Patriots through two quarters, pretty much. 
And, you know, there's signs of life from these guys, even though they're, they're working with a depleted roster, which should really build excitement for a lot of fans that with a depleted roster, they've been able to do some of the things they have over the past two weeks. So when they're able to restock the cupboard next year from free agency, from all those draft picks, it should get even more exciting and competitive from this team. So keep an eye on that. I mean, and and take it with a grain of salt, the fact that they've gotten blown out so far. Yeah, I mean, I understand why the normal fan is not excited about anything that's going on here, especially anything in this game. But when when I look at what happened today, I see a team that talent wise is just not ready to compete. But the encouraging thing is I have not had a negative thing to say about the play calling of Chad O'Shea uh, in the first three games. I, I haven't had much of a problem either with the play calling of uh, Patrick Graham and Brian Flores. And I think there's something to be said about that. I think the players look a lot more well-coached. They're in the right spot a lot more often. And th- there's something to be said about that. It's just not showing in the results right now. I mean, if, if the Dolphins had played in the first half, like or in the second half, like they did in the first half against the Cowboys and against the Patriots, it could have been a lot closer of a game, but still as it stands, like Bill Parcells used to say, that's a scoreboard up there. That's all that matters. And right now the Dolphins on the season are losing uh, by a net of about 120 points. So not good enough, but we're going to add talent as we go along here over the next couple of years. Paul, anything else you want to add on here tonight? No, I mean, it's just take it with a grain of salt. Look at, look at it like an extended preseason, like you were saying before, and keep an eye on young players. I mean, this is Miami's chance to unearth a couple extra diamonds in the rough out of, out of what they've got on the roster right now. Well said. So, Paul, who was your player of the game and who was your uh, Coke bus player of the game? For player of the game, I've got to go with Rosen here. The the tempo change, the leadership, everything else. I know he didn't knock it out of the park on the stat sheet, but for me, what I saw from Rosen and the promise I saw from Rosen as we move forward here, I'd definitely throw, throw Rosen right there in the conversation. As far as my Coke bus player of the game, this is going to be a rare one that you'll probably hopefully never hear from me again, but I'm going to throw Xavier Howard in there. Uh, one of the best things he did in this game was get himself tossed out. And that says a lot about how this game went down for Xavier Howard, somebody that is easily one of the top cornerbacks in the NFL, but unfortunately did not have the best of days today. Yeah, my my player of the game there is going to be Davin Gotcha. I mean, I, I think to go up one-on-one against Travis Frederick and play the way he did against a four-time Pro Bowler says a lot about the guy. And, and this is a player that you need – to consistently have around to win matchups, collect players who beat the player across from them. As far as my Cookbus player of the game, yeah, Xavier Howard was going to be my guy, but um, given the circumstances here, I'm going to go with Charles Harris. I mean, <laughs> this is a player that was several times throughout the game completely left unblocked and still couldn't get pressure on the quarterback. I'll go even a step further and say that Taco Charlton and really a half of football put more pressure on the quarterback than Charles Harris, Charles Harris ever has. And that will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins 31 to six loss to the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to be here with you before and after every single game, regardless of whether or not the Dolphins win no games 
two games, four games, or six games, doesn't matter, probably closer to zero. But we'll see. That will do it. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side or the right side. Then it must be the fin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.